Hello and welcome to Audionautic Deep Space Network episode 16. Today we are talking about some new music gear, uh, stuff fresh off of NOM 2022, and we'll be talking about whether TikTok TikTok is changing the musical landscape uh, for marketing. This is an interesting topic from our friend uh, Hydrofighter, who joins us as Curtis could not make it today. Uh, we appreciate Hydrofighter hopping in today. How are you? Hey, thanks guys for having me on. I am uh, thanks for coming on. Hap happy to be here. Yeah. How are you How doing? Are you? I'm I'm good, you know. I'm just doing my thing. I'm still getting uh, fresh with the VCB rack. Oh so. yeah, how's that going? Have you been messing with it at all? I have. I I'm not getting too deep. I'm trying not to soak in too much. Doing simple things, uh, just uh, subtractive sense, simple uh, FM sense, effects, drones, basses. I'm trying to design parts for how I actually write mm -hmm. on normally right yeah. i don't want to i don't want it to change my style yet until i can get a real grip on it and then i'll advance to that level and are you is it making you want to get into uh the real modular world at all like it uh, will Eon Lake over there it will but it, it'll oh, be no. like it it'll be a year before i get oh, down okay so you're starting to change your tune though you're starting to embrace the hardware bank loan cycle i am i am but i want to get my knowledge deep into it before i buy something that i'm not 100 percent on yet right yeah so is the plan maybe to incorporate it into your workflow through the digital one like get it into some songs first yep. see how you like all that and then go yep. from there all right yep. maybe some kst uh actually i think that's where it's probably going to be implemented oh, the most very cool okay because i have other ideas i want to execute for the hydro fighter stuff so i it's cool to have separate ideas for the different projects yeah definitely it makes them sound different too. Yeah, and then the other thing I do with it, I've been doing with it is um, in Eon. You're probably familiar with Omri Cohen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So he does all these videos, and then he uh, allows everybody to download his patches. So I take his patches, mm -hmm. and then I uh... I I watch the videos, and then I reverse engineer it to go from the mixer backwards, and I take out the things that I don't want because I don't want all of the stuff that he has in there. It's too it's too yeah. dense for me to understand that. So mm -hmm. kind of learning it uh, that way as well. I mean, that guy is massive fast and he gets it and I've got to sit and tear it all apart to, to dissect it. So, yeah, well, that's cool. And also with us today, as I already mentioned, uh, is our friend and colleague Eon Lake. How are you today, my friend? I am. Um, I'm good. Thanks. I'm, it's quite warm here. Um, I'm good. Is the AC I'm on? Josh, I'm contractually obliged to say I'm missing Josh. Mr. Josh. <laughs> yes, contractually obliged. No, uh, we really do miss having Curtis on today, but he's doing an Eon Lakin on vacation, so you know we must. Yeah, well, you know we must march on. Yeah. I'll, I'll be off for a week or two in a couple months, so you know, well, it, we all yeah. gotta do it sometimes. It's nice to take a break, but we appreciate Hydro Fighter stepping in. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I mean, this saves me asking him all about what he's been doing with PCB. Right? Well, because even though he's not here, on my list. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And even though Curtis isn't here, we'll be mentioning a little bit about what he's up to because he is, of, of course. course, the co-pilot of Audionautic. Um, but yeah, Ian, like, what have you been up to lately musically? Musically, I, um, I've been running everything I've got through a Lyra 8 to get the distortion and the analog delay and the LFOs on it. It's it's a Russian, very quirky piece of kit, mm -hmm. analog synth, but it's got inputs and it has a distortion circuit and a, oh. a delay circuit and, an, and a, an LFO that affects both of them. Oh. And wow, the things it can do. It, it can make anything scream, including drums, <laughs> which is interesting. I haven't heard drums scream before, but... Um, they did this week, so <laughs> I've got it set up on a on a send from my mixer now, so I can just put anything through it. And um, generally, I've just been distorting everything and um, seeing what happens. Rediscovering Eurorack as well, though, because I've been um, getting deeper into the Squap Hermod sequencer and the Make Noise Rene. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. just messing around with those self-modulating patches where they reset themselves halfway through or cause the um, the pattern to go backwards and so on. Was that the one you were using for the stuff we're doing on Starstream, the toy box stuff you sent? Um, was I using that? I think it was, yeah, actually. Yeah. But most of that was coming from Morphogene. Oh, okay. The uh, the Make Noise Granular Sampler module, which is um, a lot of fun as well. I usually run that in line. So if at any point I want to record a, a little clip and start messing around with it, you can do that. And you can change the balance between what it's playing and the input. So you can have a bit of both, basically. So you can pinch a bit and pitch it up or, you know, do something weird with it and have some of the original signal as well. Yeah. All sorts of things like that, just fun stuff, just messing around. Because I'm in a big recycle, a big writing cycle at the moment, and um, very much the idea generation end of it. So um, the whiteboard's getting a lot of use. <laughs> There's one I'm doing like, like 303 only. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that one yet, but I'm looking oh, forward. Oh, that'll be a fun one. Ooh. So yeah, I just just trying stuff out goofing around and um man, i get some surprising results actually some surprisingly usable results that's sick so, uh, yeah this is what i was meant to do this year a bit as well was to dig deeper into what's already here mm-hmm. try and get some you know more varied results from it and it's working all right and also the lyra's got this mad sort of like sustained tone um so I took that and started running it through the sub thirty-seven with an arpeggiator running on it to chop it up. So I'm using the envelopes on the sub thirty-seven to, you know, stop it from being so washy and so on. That was quite interesting too. And Ooh, running it through, running it through auto filter so that it's working like a gate, mm-hmm. and then sticking an LFO on the on the rate of the uh, gate, so it's doing you know sixteenths, eighths, sixteenths, eighths, halves. You know, and varying between them. Oh, that's sick! Lots of stuff like that. This is what I have to look forward to, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it makes you think about things differently. That's one thing I did learn from sticking cables into all the different bits. Was it? It it does make you think about things slightly differently. Give you ideas. What about you? What about you, Sunwarper? How does Curtis normally say this? I think he says, "Bro." What about you, bro? What are you up to? You gotta bro? have that uh, that English accent though. It's not it's yeah, not quite there. Yeah, I was I can't gonna see if I can get you're, a wig. You're across the pond go still. You, know, you need a little wig on. and uh, that nice goatee. But you're getting there. You're getting there with that yeah, shadow. Yeah, he sprays working. a little bit and he does this arms up thing. Excited, <laughs> so he's here in spirit. Well, I guess before I go to me, I should cover Curtis because uh, he's yeah. not here and he's here in spirit. So uh, Curtis and on the Audionautic front just dropped a. Um, EP with Spectre on Audionautic Records called Psychonautic Volume 2. I had the pleasure of mastering it. It was quite a lot of fun. Um, there's one song that's like 20 minutes long that was an interesting challenge for me to master, but it's a great track, and uh, awesome. I really love how it developed, just so expansive and stuff, so I really wanted to do it justice. Um, but yeah, you can check that out. The Bandcamp link should be in the description um, for our record label. And then... Uh, Still on Audionautic Records, but more on what I've been doing lately. Curtis and I are working on a follow-up to our Collab EP Voyage. And this one is going in some weird places. We originally were like, let's just do a little quick lo-fi collab, you know? And then I was like, well, I'll do one song with some vocals. So I'll make a hook and send it to you. You write the song and then I'll add vocals. And then he sent me these really cool, true-to-the-form-we-agreed-upon lo-fi tracks. And I've just turned them into I don't even know what. One song has become this like 66 BPM doom stoner metal song with like a lo-fi beat. I have four tracks of that drop A baritone guitar with just like massive distortion. It's interesting. It sounds great though. Like I, I that's the thing that's awesome about working with Curtis and just collabs in general is um, getting out of your comfort zones and doing things in ways you wouldn't expect because you're inspired by what's originally there by someone else. So that's what I've been up to. Uh, it's been fun. He's a broad-minded dude, isn't he? Yeah, that's true. He gives you room. Yeah, a lot of room. Yeah. And I don't know what he's done with the two tracks I sent him. I'm not sure if he's had time to work on it because he's on, been on vacation. But we're shooting to get that out pretty quick. So it's meant to be just something like 
we throw some experiments, see what sticks, and call it a day. Kind of like what we talked about with 59 Perlin last week where we set a schedule. Mm. And whatever it is, it's done by X date and it's going out. So it's been fun. Curtis is the king of collaborations. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he just put out the one with Willebrandt and then with um, with Spectre. Spectre. And then we'll have one out. I know he's working with a bunch of other people. Oh, but you were talking about downloading uh, patches from someone, right? From For your VCD, yeah, from, right? Yeah. I wanted to bring up a question because I've been planning to do another sample pack and I want to do a guitar one. And I was originally planning to do just chords, but now I'm kind of debating, do I want to do like chord progressions and have like six chord progressions or just have some chords? So I was curious what you guys think. If you were to get guitar samples, would you want whole progressions or like melodies or just single notes or chords? I prefer single notes because then you can throw it into a sampler and right. build the chords. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, a chromatic scale in there, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. Do like a chromatic scale, a couple chords. That's not I a think, bad idea. I, I think having a few chords in there kind of helps out yeah. a little bit. It's yeah. nice to have a sample in there by itself mm -hmm. and then work the sample the the sampler around what that sample is yeah i, mean, I love reversing guitars oh yeah. yeah that's what i'm doing on this collab the other song is like all trippy reversed uh i'm sorry i'm just turning the fan on as it's getting ridiculously hot in here uh but yeah that's what that's what we're doing it's all these he had these really nice reverb guitars and i kept those and added a bunch and they're just all reversed things like that uh, and everybody in the chat, uh, let me know your thoughts. If you got a sample pack of guitars, would you want chords, notes, uh, whole chord progressions and melodies? I'm curious. I want to chords get that one key. What's that, Ian Lake? Chords in a key, maybe. In yeah. the spirit of, uh, you know, everyone wants everything done for them. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea. Maybe multiple but, packs in separate Yeah, you, I mean, you, you know, some of the less traditional chords, perhaps, that still go... The Thelonious Monk chords that Do with so nice. much dissonance that you've oh, got every gosh. note in there anyway. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just do single notes of that chord and you're covered. It's jazz, man. Yeah, it's jazz, also, man. Also, yeah. um, I don't know. Are there any noises or something that you could use from a guitar to... I'm the thinking about sample libraries where they give you some of the, um, some of the sounds that yeah, you get from like violin. Yeah, like slide... Yeah, and, and like, like hitting that. the thing that Radiohead creep something weird. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's not a bad idea. Those unique ones. Yeah, but uh, little bits that aren't really enough to be in any kind of pitch or key. Yeah, that you could just use as percussion. What's it called? The Labs. Who does those Labs? Spitfire. They have that one yeah. violin one that's just like weird. All the other notes aren't notes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're right. That's a good it's idea brilliant. too. Yeah, look at you. I got to give you uh, royalties for that one, though, right? <laughs> All right, man. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today, so maybe we should get on to uh, the topics. But I appreciate your guys' opinions on that. Um, Ian, like, you're doing the Curtis job today of sharing your screen and stuff. What, uh, oh, yes. What do you want to talk about first? I'll give you choice. Which one are we got? Well, the first one we've got here is, is Mavis. I thought right. we were going to... Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Okay, let's have that. <laughs> let's hope there's no tech issues. Everybody cross yeah. your <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I'm not seeing anything. The there we go. It's like it's taking a minute. It's worth the wait. Yeah, it's worth the wait. This is sweet. I'm just going to move our uh, camera a little bit so we can see. So this is uh, a new Moog synthesizer. They say it's a budget-friendly, semi-modular analog synthesizer. It looks sick. I believe it's build it yourself, right? It's a DIY. Mm, yeah. Bit like yeah. the Vex. That yeah, thing. you have yeah. to assemble it yourself. Yeah. Mm. I wonder how complicated um, the build is. I watched a video on it, and it didn't seem that complicated. Okay. I mean, cool. if you so know how like to that... hold the screwdriver, use a screwdriver, yeah. you're probably going to be in good shape. So it's like that Korg NTS-1, that like $100. That's it is sick, but you just build it with like a little tiny screwdriver they give you. But that's cool. So it's semi-modular, like the Erebus and a couple other Moog synths. Um, and uh, what else does it got? You know, like, do you have uh, what the other... Well, it has it got? It's just, it's a mono synth, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, 
So the paths down below are actual key triggers. So you sure see it's like set up like a piano. Yeah, yeah. like the other third too. It's got a little a tiny one octave keyboard there. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, a single LFO, from what I can see there, and it's and, um single envelope but again you know it's got sockets on it which mean plug it into something that's an lfo yeah <laughs> you know that's the beauty of the whole thing right do you see yourself I mean, getting one maybe for the modular setup you see i've often thought that these small moog boxes like yeah. a, um like the altaurus and the work set that they did they tend to create these things for moog fest um so that they have um they have these sessions where you can all sit down and build one. Oh. You know, you sort of buy it and, and you build it at the festival where, yeah. you know, with their engineers looking over your shoulder and everything, it's part of a sort of a, it's a nice practical activity. You know, it's like, you know, painting pottery, but a bit more fun. And you get a sense at the end of it. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, you know, 350 US, that's, that's... Not they don't do cheap. much at that price point, do they? Yeah, <laughs> bad yeah. though. For a, it's not bad though. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, a, it's a decent price. Uh, it, it's not cheap. You're right. It's cheap for Moog. Yeah, but not cheap. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The research I did on it, the the faulty parts was that keyboard said it's it's something you could use to help generate the tones to build your sounds, but it's not something you would want to play on uh, in a gig. That makes and sense. The other thing the guy said is the tuning part. So. Some of the fine tuning you have to use a tool, a plastic screwdriver t like tool that comes oh. with it. He said you lose that thing, you're kind of screwed. You can. Yeah. Oh, you mean for the calibration? But the sound of it sounds really good. Yeah. Mm. And, I mean, it's Moog, right? It's yeah. Gonna sound good. You expect. Yeah. It's got wave folding on it though, hasn't it? For I mean, and Moog, I don't think they've had wave folding on anything ever before. Huh. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun, really, wave folding. It can sound a bit like distortion when you use a lot of it. What's, yeah. wave, um, what's wave folding? It's It kind of squishes up the wave, makes it smaller, brings in more harmonics. And it's the addition of lots and lots of harmonics that start to make it sound like saturation and, and like distortion. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I'm not sure exactly how it's done. I mean, I've, I've seen its effect on waveforms, and they start to get denser and a lot more, um, a lot more harmonics and spikes in the waveform. But yeah, I mean, you can take um, you can take a simple wave like um, a triangle, and you can fold it into a square. Is that like what uh, the mini log has on the VCOs, where you? Like shape it's it. a little bit like that, yeah. yeah. It, that's like altering the shape of the yeah. I guess um, that's yeah, true. Of the oscillator, it, it's similar to that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just adding um, harmonics. And what have I got that wave folds? There's a UR rack module that's got some mental wave folding on it. Well, I'm thinking of something else. Not sure. Well, that's noise right. we, we know this has it. So. The, um, some of the sounds that noise engineering did on the. Um, Arteria uh, Micro Freak. Oh, yeah. That wave I, folding. I got to check that synth out, man. I mean, stuff. I know we're talking about the Moog, but that Micro Freak, I've been meaning to check that out for a while. That thing sounds crazy. There's a lot of different things, yeah. yeah. And that's <laughs> how much? Um, that's the Micro Freak, too, right? I think it's a similar price point yeah. to this. And they keep updating with like more. Uh, I've not seen an update for a while, but the last time they updated it, it added two new oscillator types that yeah. Noise Engineering had yeah. um, collaborated on, which were pretty fruity sounding. It's, um, yeah. yeah. So that's the Moog synth, the Mavis, right? Is what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Looks pretty sick. I mean, I've always wanted to get a Moog. I've never had one, but I like that they're offering something at such a competitive, almost entry-level price. I mean, I know I said it's not cheap, but... It's like you said, Ian, like it's cheaper than anything they put out. I like those DIY ones too, where you build it because you kind of get a sense of connection to it. Even if it's a simple build, like the NTS one, you just put together a couple pieces, screw it in and stuff, but it's like you feel a deeper connection to it, you know? So, yeah. It seems like, I like a really the way cool idea. Thinking. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I like the way their thinking's going recently as well. I mean, um, 
you know, they've always done that boutique analog synthesizer thing that they do so well. Mm. Okay, fine. But then they started doing, um, they're right at the mother, and you think, okay, well, that sounds classic Moog. Okay. But then they brought out uh, the DFAM, which is a really different beast. And it's one of those things that doesn't sound like much and shouldn't work. But you ever see one used or have a go on one yourself, it's one of those things that kind of transcends what it actually is. Then they bring out the Subharmonicon, which is, again... A that concept that's a little bit, yeah. I, I really look, like the idea of one of those. <laughs> yeah, and that that's a bit different as well. I, I like people who think about stuff differently and bring things out. And yeah. now there's this, which would appear to be okay. It's like the Worksat or something like that. But no, it does have wave folding. It is semi-modular. Again, it is something different, and it's actually offering a lot for not a lot of money. Which again is not something that they always or do or are known for so i kind of like what they're where they're going with all of this stuff yeah. and thinking of late yeah it seems like a really good way to go for them and i like that they're offering things at multiple price points and levels you know entry level more advanced and things like that it's a good way to go uh it seems like they're kind of taking a cue from korg in that sense with like you know a couple different tiers of synth types and things like that uh but they only have what one polyphonic synth mode there's the Moog One, yeah. Yeah. So, so parafonic. I mean, that's not their thing. They're big on the. No, I mean, they've exactly. always been monophonic. So I'm just asking. And it's always a challenge with with analog sense. You yeah. know, if you're going to make eight voices, it means you've got to make eight voices. Yeah. You know, it's not like doing it in digital. Yeah. Yeah. They missed the trick here, though. I think because it's like monophonic analog synthesizer voice. So that's that's actually Mavs, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Massive. I guess they just maybe they added the high massive. somewhere, you know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But that's the Mavis. Looks great. Yep. What do we've got next, Ian Lake? Uh, next, we've got an update from Linktree. That's right. Yeah, they've um, made a few changes, which we're going to tell you about when I can get that shared. Yeah, it's nothing crazy. They make it seem like it's this big change, and I mean, I didn't even notice when I opened my Linktree before I saw a change. I was like, oh, the color seemed brighter. And then, uh, yeah. and then I, I saw they sent this email. It's like brand new design. It's great. <laughs> Linktree had yeah. a makeover with this big exclamation mark. Like it's this huge, huge game changing thing. They've added colors. a couple things. Like once you know they made a change, it's you know there's some stuff. But uh, the biggest thing they added, they made a new font. I think they call it like Link Sans or something. And then uh, the appearance of Linktree looks a little more 3D. I think they said it's, it's like. Uh, what they like try to emulate the look of 3D on the boxes or something. You can scroll down on you know, like it'll show yeah, some of the stuff. They actually show you what it looks like. These are clips of it, aren't they? Yeah. Yep. And they also ha- updated the premium version of it because they have a Linktree Premium. I've never used it. I yeah. don't think you really need it, but I think you can customize like either. the background. That yeah, that's like definitely that from the premium. Some of the stuff that used to not be premium is now premium. So that was a bummer, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah so like there's that. For the colors. Yeah. It's worth it for the colors, right? Yeah, it's worth it for the colors, right? Yeah, there's the new font, Link, Link Sans. Sands. And uh, what else we got? I think it, it, they say they, I yeah, there's the color. So that's for everybody, these new colors. They're much more vibrant. Like I had mine set to yeah. a purple even before this update. And then with the update, like I was saying, I was like, oh, that's much more yeah. purple. Does it go from that to that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's much brighter, more eye-popping, which I think is good. You know, you want people to go to your stuff. Uh, There's more I, choice, though, basically, yeah, isn't it? Because it, it was a little bit... Exactly. quite limited. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, you know, they're saying, like, oh, it's, it's more designed for you personally, which, you know, is nice marketing speak uh i'm not speaking ill of the update it's a cool update uh you know of course they're gonna try to put it as it's this game changing thing not much really changed but uh it's worth looking at uh tinkering with your link tree if you have link tree and didn't know about this update if you don't have link tree it's worth getting link tree or some sort of competitor i forget the ones i think there's like campsite or something um i think links like that i also use when i do um releases i use toneden.io they they make links called fan link 
and you get basically when you set up a, a thing on Tone Den, you put a link to like your Bandcamp or a Spotify. Like if you have a new release, you put the link to the album on Spotify, and it finds it on every other platform that it's on, and then makes a little landing page that has every single link to each platform it's on. So then you can just put that. Yeah. When you send it to people, and uh, or if someone clicks on your link in an ad or on your Instagram or something like that, they go to that and they can find where they want to listen to you. Rather than if you send them to Spotify, they don't use Spotify. You just lost the listen. So, things like Linktree yeah. or FanLink, anything like that, it's good to have. Uh, I'd be curious in the chat if you guys use something like this. What do you use? Is it Linktree? Is it something else? Are you gonna redesign your Linktree now with the new Link Sans font? Yeah. Have you moved from one service to another one? Yeah, and one yeah. Have you found an improvement? Yeah, HydroFighter, what about you? Do you use uh, any of these? I don't, but, you know, just looking at the site compared to going to other people's uh, Linktree sites in the past, I mean, yeah. you can tell it looks a lot more modern. It just looks mm -hmm. fresh. Right? Yeah, it's a nice update. You know, it, the, old, the old site, I guess, looked kind of dingy in a way like a like a 1990s application of sorts <laughs> ms dos or something yeah bb thing <laughs> yeah how come you don't use one i don't we, i don't think we i have enough music and enough product published in different places okay but what about so, for mean, like having a hub for all of your social links slash Bandcamp slash you know i'm not so i'm not social guys not i mean social? i just okay. i just talk to i just talk to you guys at some point maybe but yeah. i i think that's probably something that josh on the shady side would probably do more is maybe i just love know, on the shady side <laughs> <laughs> what are you insinuating <laughs> shady Shady would probably use this before me and then incorporate what I'm doing uh, yeah. with his stuff. Maybe it's a good way to put all of your artists in, in one spot. But, I mean, yeah. Bandcamp kind of already does that. That's kind of all of our go-to. Uh, that's our go-to spot from yeah. most of the music I True. get, at least. Right? It's what but, some people do with a website, isn't it? It's, it's like an aggregation point for yeah. all that you are. But if you don't want to manage a web page, I suppose it's page. an easy way to... And it, and it helps with profiles, doesn't it? Just to have a link tree in it rather than try and yeah. summarize it somehow. Or well, and I'm just looking at Sun Warper's page too, where he's, I mean, you've got your patron stuff up there. You've got your band camp, your socials, your yeah. your sample packs, right? Yeah. And that makes that makes sense. It's I just, just don't nice have, to have a that hub, much. Yeah. You know? And like, I don't have a website because as Eon like was saying, I, I at the moment don't want to spend the money to like get a domain, do all that stuff and design one and all that. So I just use Linktree and like I said, FanLink. Um, and then another thing I mentioned that might work for a label like Shady or something on Linktree, you know, you could put a playlist of each of your artists on like, let's say Spotify, because as I had mentioned in a previous uh, ADSN, if a free user on mobile on Spotify goes to your Spotify, it just shuffles what everything you have as your discography you can't choose a song whereas if you funnel them to a playlist it starts at the first song so you could yeah. as the label you know uh Attack. yeah exactly yeah. put it the way you want it put the top song or the most listenable or the song you're pushing right now that just released or something at the top so it just gives you more options um that's something we're tinkering with at audionautic we have this is sun warper this is curtis we're going to do for our other label mates um, so yeah, just an interesting way. I think Linktree is an important facet of, or not just Linktree, but any of these sites like that, where you can aggregate all of your links is a good way to market yourself with Instagram, you know, things like that. The link in bio, it's just this way people can go where they want to find you. Not, you're not put them yeah. somewhere that they may not listen. Like a lot of people don't use Bandcamp, unfortunately. So if all you're mm -hmm. posting is Bandcamp, you know, you're going to just lose the person that might have wanted to listen. So yep. that that's all. Uh, that's all there is. Linktree got a design. If anyone is using cool. some of these, you know, services that are less useful for musicians, you're still sort of reiterating that other services exist whilst guiding them to the one they're using. Exactly. You can still put Bandcamp front and center and then have yeah. Spotify visible but near the bottom or something. So if someone really wants to go to Spotify, it's there. But maybe they'll go to your Bandcamp and maybe they'll buy something on Bandcamp and become a user and realize Bandcamp's great for now. <laughs> yeah. 
at the moment. Well, <laughs> With a little well, gen- at the end. <laughs> well, gents, it's 37 minutes past the hour. Um, we've got a lot to go through yet today. Yep. I think we should sure. probably move on. Yeah, let's go I, to the TikTok. Is that how, is that how Curtis kind of says it? <laughs> no, it's missing the accent. Yeah, well, I'm not going to try to. <laughs> and it, it was get, too formal. Yeah. Well, gents. I'm going to ease you into the next topic. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. tries to find some way to spin it, you know, and he goes, oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, because. Segue, but yeah, we're just like, time next. <laughs> yeah, oh, we got to move on. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. So do you want to see this TikTok page? Yeah, this is something Hydro Fighter sent, and since he mm. moved us so nicely. Well, short, short and sweet on this, it's basically a bunch of trash where the – the, the story is really about Halsey and how uh, she wanted to release a single and her label basically said, we're not going to release it unless you start a trend on TikTok. Yeah. And so she posted a TikTok with some uh, verbiage in it that said uh, that she that she can't release the single because her label won't let her unless she does some sort of TikTok type of thing. And it basically goes down to. How much worse are the even the major labels getting worse by not promoting uh, they're making the, the artists promote it. <clears throat> well, there's always yeah. been, you know, the the fight between the artist and the label going back however many years, but it just seems to progress even more now where isn't the label supposed to be doing the promotion for the artists? And now they're basically saying, <clears throat> well, we're mm-hmm. not going to allow you to do this because you're under contract. So we want you to market yourself before we even release this type of thing well you have to prove that there's a demand for it before we'll put it out isn't this your business isn't this what you yeah do? isn't that what you do i remember uh, years yeah. ago reading a book about like music marketing and it was like why do you don't need a label and it was saying with streaming and things like that labels are taking yeah. a cut because of the lower payments and things like that labels are now taking a cut of your touring of your you know merch and they don't have any hand in it they just as part of the contract say we get a 360 deal everything you sell Part of it comes to us, even though like we're not going to do anything for your merch, but we get a cut of it. Uh, and that's like the relevancy of a label has gone down and down and down. And now you're seeing them force an artist to promote a song that's not even out. And they're like, we'll only release it if it's doing well, but it's not released. That's so just this crazy thing. But I did like near the end of this article, they play devil's advocate and talk about how this may have all been manufactured by artist label and things like that to make it viral and uh, not necessarily halsey but they they said uh i think other artists have done similar things like this where they talk about like oh give me likes you know or like like this so the label knows that we can release it and things like that it's interesting you like is it not this, telling the truth is it this counter marketing <laughs> type thing yeah exactly but it's it's just like tiktok is oh, changing God. the way marketing works for these major labels and things and are they doing these weird marketing to someone without making you think it's marketing like hey this won't release unless it goes viral can you make it viral you know i always like in the way with these stars of sorts where it's like you need the label to become that superstar that you become but once you have all of that attention now you think you can go independent but you're still under contract um, yeah. it's just it's just weird to me how i mean the young kids they they want to become these superstars and then 10 years later they want out of their contract and say that the record company ripped them off but what do you really want yes yeah. i think a million dollar advance means you've got a million dollars you don't realize you've got to pay for everything <laughs> yeah, out of that and live out of it the rest. yeah <laughs> yeah and with Alone. the diminishing returns of actual music purchases streaming and things like that I mean, it kind of makes sense why it's been turning into this way, but it's like, it seems like there's been this transitory period that's never ended. It keeps transitioning into the streaming. You know, we went from CDs and then digital downloads to this streaming thing, but it's never fully adjusted and they're just still finding ways to try to work around it and things like that. And yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I would be failing on that. What's that, Ian? I would say credit to Pitchfork for highlighting this kind of thing. Yeah. And Hydro Fighter, what were you saying? I was going to say I would completely fail at this because I'm not on enough socials. (laughs) You don't even have a link tree. (laughs) I know, right? So. 
count me out. Do we want to move on? Do we want to move on to the Nam stuff? Yeah, yeah, we can cover Nam yeah. real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Nam Nam. I just think this is a really interesting point to talk about. We always talk about marketing and uh, things like mm. that, and it's interesting to see TikTok has become this dominating force, at least for major labels and things like that, where. It's scary. Yeah, it's it's very scary that one platform. You read their privacy policy, and I well, suggest you do for yeah. finding out. That too. Yeah, I know there's some issues with like using it on your phone and stuff. I had read and things like that, but um, but just that one platform has this dominance that a label mm. won't release. At least they're saying TikTok. Maybe they mean all platforms or something. But a label's not releasing a song unless it becomes viral market. on TikTok. Mm. Yeah. What were you saying, Ian Lake? I, couldn't hear you. I, I think they see it as their route to the youth market. Probably, yeah. No, I'm sure yeah. that's right. Uh, it's just interesting that like a single platform can hold, dom like hold power over whether a popular singer can release a song or not. You know. Well, you know, if we go back and look at Prince and what happened yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. True. True. Yeah. Well, anyways, let's talk about uh, gear. A Neutron topic. Four, maybe. What's that? Neutron four, maybe. Yeah, let's start there. So we have this gentleman here, and he went. This was your choice, wasn't it? Hydrofighter. This, was, from this was mine, and the the tool is really, it's really intelligence. Yeah, we briefly um, talked about this last week. I know Curtis brought it up it? as the AI mm. aspect, but yeah, Hydrofighter, what's your take on it? Well, I, I thought the cool thing was is you know it's reading, it, the EQ is reading your signal in real time and. In balancing the EQ based on the signal that's coming in, that was one of the cool features of this. So you've got your EQ, you've got compression, you've got saturation, um, and it's really kind of cleaning up your mix with intelligence. So you're not really doing the work so much yourself as mm -hmm. much as the uh, the the plugin is actually doing that for you. Um, and the other thing that they showed on here was balancing your mix, say like between vocals and your other instruments. Mm -hmm. How do you make your vocals boom out a little bit more by balancing your other instruments? And they've got intelligence built in to do that and be being able to select certain frequencies, uh, frequency ranges to make that easy. I thought it just seemed like a very intuitive thing, but it almost seemed like too easy to a point where I don't know if I trust it yet with, without trying it but it's yeah. 200 bucks which isn't extremely expensive for something like this but it's i no. mean it's it's still there right yeah i mean it's a cool idea and like we mentioned when we talked about neutron and ozone and all that stuff like i find it's really helpful just either when you need a quick reference or like if you're just making an instagram reel or something and you just want it to sound slightly like all right take out some of the harsh notes and things harsh tones and things like that but you don't have the time to do like a master or take time to EQ. It's convenient yeah. for that. But I found when I, someone gives me a song they use with ozone and then like asks me to master the original one, like there's some glaring issues still and like it peaks in weird spots and things like that. Uh, so I'm sure as it goes, it advances more and more, but there seems like there's a long way to go. And yeah. it also brings up, I don't know if you want to call it ethical questions, but like where does it, where does it end like at artistry or just using AI to do it? And like, you know, it brings up these interesting issues, uh, which maybe aren't that important, but I like to think about that type of stuff. Like, how do you, how yeah. do you learn it yourself if you've got a machine doing exactly. it? Exactly. And then how, where does it, where does the, where's the line between you actually made something or the AI made it? Yeah. And you just put some, like some, what do you call it? <laughs> options into it. Like, well, here's a, this and that and go crazy you know i just assumed you were using something like that because your mixes always sound so much better than mine oh how nice no i, I yeah. just i just practice and practice and practice and it's what i love doing so yeah the, the one thing cool though they did say about this is it doesn't put a load on your on on your uh cpu yeah so you right. could put it on every track you could put it on the master and it's not going to dog it down so i thought yeah. that was that was kind of cool i don't know if i would buy it quite yet it seemed cool but it seemed too easy like they're tr like what you said it's almost like they're trying to trick you into to it but yeah Ian, like, what's when... your take on it um i guess the artistry thing and how much of it you want to do these are decisions that everyone makes for themselves really yeah. but I, I see things like this i think it's, it's good where there's a knowledge gap where you need help 
yeah. and you don't have time to learn everything perhaps but at the same time i see more and more things from um, music creation to music production to the final stages of you know brushing things out ready for release and so on i think if you've got a tool that does every one of those things do you really want to be making music yeah is this for you maybe yeah. i mean it yeah. just seems like apart from anything some of the fun out of it i mean i think it's probably really good value because it, it, it's a number of things under one hood as a kind of a mastering thing so it's mm -hmm. like as you say, it's a dynamic EQ, but it's also mimicking some of the things that Waves plugins have been doing for a while. Space creators for yeah. you know, bass, kick, vocals, whatever yeah. it is you need and so on. But really, I get a bit frustrated with that because I think surely that's just mixing, right? And that's actually building a track. And personally, I want to put the effort into being able to do those things really well so that I, I didn't really have a use for a tool that does it. Yeah. yeah. But that's what, how we do our stuff. We do the production of our own stuff. We do the mixes. We do some of the mastering. We do that little things. You're a singer-songwriter or in a rock band. You don't care about that. You exactly. just want to play yeah. power chords. That's maybe something different. Yeah, no, I mean, it has its uses. It makes sense. And even Curtis had mentioned uh, in a previous episode, like when he's working on something uh, commissioned, you know, if it's not something he really loves, he might use it just to... Get, like if there's a timetable and he's got to get it done, maybe he uses that. Like I was saying with Instagram reels, like, yeah, I'm not going to spend a long time EQing this guitar to get out harsh frequencies. I'll just let this algorithm sense the biggest ones and take care of it. So it's a, there's a line, you know, there's a scale to it and stuff. And I get its use. I think it's really cool. Uh, I just wonder, you know, with any sort of technology, how it can be used in a, I don't want to say bad way, but like the ethical like, where does the artistry end? Where does the algorithm and AI start? You know, things like that. But uh, yeah. it has its well, uses. Some yeah. people would say, well, the artistic bit's been done. It's already recorded and mixed. And yeah, true. So, I mean, there's, you know, disagree, though. I'm not one to stick think, to dogmatic views. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, I, if, I think it's an art for mastering. And I think mastering engineers would probably agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't use it for mastering. And I've had experiences where, like I said, I've gotten tracks that have been done by it and i'm like oh yeah let's yeah. let's work around not everything you know? record is going for a grammy is it yeah so you know you can afford yeah. to slap this on something yeah and that's what's better. cool like what hydro fighter mm. said you know some band that they just they know how to play their instruments but they don't know production or something they can do it you know it it's makes it a diy or they thing put it a live set yeah exactly they want to just yeah. brush it up a bit yeah 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 well, what uh, what about you, Ian? Like, what was your favorite thing from? Uh, uh, so no, that guy on Sonic State's channel will be happy to tell you all about it. <laughs> hey, that's through. cheating. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking through all this stuff, and I was looking at some of the ForMS stuff that they re-released a, a very useful old module on the Euro Rack. That's actually the module and its breakout panel all in one thing, but. Then I kept on going, and something caught my eye, and I must admit, it did start to fall into the I want one of those pile. So <laughs> That's a big just... pile for you. Yeah. It is a big pile. <laughs> Let's be fair. Santa Claus like... must have a tough time getting all those presents <laughs> down the chimney, buddy. What have I done with it? Where is it? Come on. What's uh, What was uh, the name of it again? It's the... Uh... Uh, some of my other browser. Hang on a sec. <laughs> we'll get dip. there. We'll get there. We're navigating the tech difficulties. Curtis, <laughs> this is what you do to us. <laughs> yeah. Come back, bro. All's forgiven. <laughs> I didn't mean any of it. <laughs> it helps if you open it all in, uh, all in the same device. Yeah, that would help, actually. <laughs> it's the Positronic it Recursion is Studio. It's Positronic Recursion Studio. Okay. Yeah, the it it's a video synthesizer. A video it's synthesizer? A, yeah, a that's video what makes it so cool. Thing, right? We've got all audio synthesizers. We've got analog. We've got digital. This little fella Whoa. synthesizes video. Oh, that's right. Sick. And it does. Um, it does. Um, uh, well, if you look at like the backdrop of what the screen is here, fractal wave oh, folding. Oh yeah, right? so we've, that's we've not just a, a cool demonstration. Aesthetic. Look. 
consortium of Regen I'm going to cut the volume on that and just show you some of the. Yeah, it seems like it's coming. So this thing uh, puts out little... 1080p high definition. It's a little choppy. I don't know if it's going to come through. You know, like... Yeah. So that obviously the actual device doesn't Whoa. produce choppy. It's like 1080p high definition stuff. There are controls on it so that you can fiddle with it while it's playing. It has all sorts of audio, MIDI, and CV inputs. So wait, are you putting so you MIDI it into it and it creates and send MIDI fractals it, from it? Yes. Oh, Fractalized so it's not... Fractalized and, and okay. uh, a images. Oh, that's trippy. You've got a set of stock ones already on the unit that you can use. It will take webcam inputs, <laughs> and you can do this with live video. Um <laughs> You really should watch. These guys are great. They've got a brilliant sense of humor. You really should watch the uh, <laughs> watch the video. They say quite a way into it. Um, we don't recommend that you um, kaleidoscopize pornography. We tried it, and it's weird. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's, they've got a very odd website. But this thing. Oh, seems I think to have some really good range. Yeah, yeah, it's got all the connectivity you you could want, I think. And yeah, really for a live cool. like okay, a live gig. US How much for does it a gig? Cost? I mean, come on, yeah, you know, at twelve hundred actually, I think it is okay. dollars. Ooh. And it's a module you could put in a module. Yeah. did you say? Yeah. Interesting. Well, no, you can feed modular control voltages oh, okay, to it. Oh, okay, okay. So, okay. you know, you can yeah. try it. To, it will respond to audio triggers. You yeah. can use basic audio, I think. But you can also send it MIDI and CV and some other things. You can upload your own pictures um, and so on. That just looks like fun. There were some good ones near the end, I think, as well. I'll just skip forward a bit. Yeah, just skip to it. That's some of this trip. pastel stuff. You know, it steps away from the traditional hippie stuff, and but it's still kind of hypnotic in a more modern sort of way, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's a bit of money. Maybe you'd need to get a few of you to chip in for it or something. But I mean, for like a duo or a couple people in a band or something, it could make sense. Yeah. That, I, think it make, you know. I think it makes sense for Eon just because I it's not it, in his collection. It, well, I think yeah, it's be... a piece of gear. It makes sense for Eon. Like, <laughs> if it exists, even if it doesn't exist, if it exists in someone's mind, it, it it's a thing for Eon Lake. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, put and it this way. It'd be... I think they're giving the first seven away. So um, I, I've signed up for updates. <laughs> well, I might as well too then. <laughs> it would be cool to see this as a backdrop on the show every week. Yeah, for or for you the guys. intro. Uh, yeah. Curtis still needs to render out an intro for the audio mix I made for the uh, starting soon. So, Curtis, this is something for you if you're listening back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so lastly, we'll go to mine, which, big surprise, it's a Oberheim synthesizer. You all know I love profits and uh, things like that. But this is yeah, the new Oberheim. Let's see if Eon Lake has it queued up, though. That's the question. I got it. I got oh, it. Oh, there I we got go. It. <laughs> OBX8. Yeah. He doesn't OBX8. Want one thing. This thing looks like a beast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, listen um, to any of this? I don't, if it comes to me, yeah. Just lower it a pinch. He gets this one pad that's just so gorgeous sounding. It really looks like the OBX8 as well. Well, I think it's, yeah, it has right. the envelopes of three yeah. previous overhives. So the X8. That one, this pad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That pad is just like God tier pad. Yeah. Alright, that, that should be enough to show. It's got quite the range, but um, I believe it, uh, it has the envelopes of three previous Oberheims, so you can kind of get sounds from previous ones. It's eight voice, which is awesome. And I also think this is the last synth that uh, Dave Smith worked on too. So yeah. that would yeah. look really they nice next to your profit. Money. I know. If I had the money, if anybody wants to donate, let me know. <laughs> no, you can donate to my. I want the Juno sixty. Oh uh, yeah. And you know, if we could trade them up i guess <laughs> maybe we could just buy one 
and ship it to each other. You know, like you get it for six seasonally. Weeks. I get it. yeah, yeah, yeah. When it's cold, you get it. In the summers, I'll get it. You know? We can't ship it's that really internationally. Retro, it's just too expensive. Yeah, well, Eon Lake will get his own, I'm sure. I like the Oberheim stuff, and yeah. I th- I think uh, Eddie Van Halen played a lot of the Oberheim since, and I I love his playing on that stuff too. Yeah. Um, he doesn't yeah. get enough credit for how he played keyboards. No, but. yeah, that's true, and, and I think they even mentioned him in the website uh, for this synth about the OBX or XA or whatever that uh, it um. I think it was the XA they used. Yeah. Yeah, that like that's one of the ones they have that you can use the envelope of and things like that. Um. So you can play j- jump. Yeah, right? you yep. can play jump. Yeah, yeah. That's all you need, man. That's that's yeah. it. That's all you need. Yeah, but yeah, that's it for me. Um, do you guys want to go over the marketing, or do you guys want to do a quick round robin? Oh, I go with the round robin actually, because that was a that was a good one. I thought. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we it can hold the marketing idea. for next week. It's a quick one. It's just a new website that Spotify. Uh, announced that just it's for artists you know that supposedly helps you navigate getting spotify streams and things like that a lot of it is uh pretty common knowledge but it's all good to know and go over so we'll talk about that next week but for this week hydro fighter took curtis's place with an interesting round robin topic do you want to let us know what it is absolutely it is sequencing versus playing when do you sequence when do you play? Are there advantages of doing one over the other? Certain instruments, you know, Mike. I mean, you do you do a lot of guitars, you do a lot of synthesizers. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I know I don't play drums, so I sequence the drums. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't hit them with the keyboard. Uh, I s- will use a step sequencer, but that's okay. still sequencing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so how how do we use different tools to sequence? What other tools do we use to play? I mean, using I mean, I use a keyboard. I'm using step sequencers. I use mm-hmm. a push. Um, I I used to strictly sequence everything, and it takes the feel out of the song sometimes. When yeah. I sit behind a keyboard, I'll anticipate the beat maybe a little bit more, move mm-hmm. the beat around instead of just wanting to easily draw draw like a whole note or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, you guys hear my drums, and it's, I'm always strong on the 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 ones for the kicks and the twos and fours for the snares. But <laughs> I I find doing sequencing advantageous for me on drums and bass. Everything else I use different tools for. So mm-hmm. keyboard for harmonic structures. I use the push for leads. Um, but I might sequence arpeggios. So when you right? when you do uh. When you play the keyboard, are you quantizing it after and moving it around a little bit in the sequencer? Only if I really mess up bad. Okay. But usually I like to keep it where, where it lands. Do I think do... it gives it more of a natural feel. So you don't do even like a 50% quantize or something like that? No. I mean, okay. it, I, I have to put it into a loop so it hits yeah. on, right. uh, yeah. in the right spot. But um, that's where it gets tough to anticipate the beat sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because if you're ahead of the beat in a loop it's tough to do but yeah. I just love the natural feel of playing yeah mm. I think it's more than just timing I mean the, the, the timing thing's kind of popular but I think that that's what I get less from things being just slightly out of time I do I mean unless you're talking about piano where you're actually it, it's a technique to not play all the keys at once you almost trill them you know mm-hmm. in, in Styles, but the lo-fi. for me, it's more about um, note length variation and volume, you know, pit, uh, the volume velocity variation, yep. and also um, not necessarily playing things slightly out of time, but actually at different times. So slightly playing with a melody. Um, so I tend to try and play lead lines and things like that more because I don't want it to be the same four times round. I want it to be quite different you know and sometimes i want to hold a note half a bar longer and and retime the rest of the motif or or whatever so those would be the times when i want to actually record it are you doing that on keyboard yeah sometimes in the chat hey david real quick uh if you're 
we're into talking about sequencing versus playing. I'd love to hear your take. Do you sequence your tracks? Do you play like on the piano, on a MIDI keyboard? That's what we're talking about. Uh, it seems like the three of us all play to an extent. I, I try mean, to mix it up yeah, a lot. Because I try I to play everything. Them, but. but I will say, sometimes when I create songs, I sequence it, draw it in, you know, just so I'm all on the keyboard at once. Or I'll play with like a, a MIDI keyboard and then <laughs> I actually perform every part with like hardware or my guitar. Like sometimes I'll record guitar as MIDI, you know, or just put it as notes like a mouse and keyboard. And then I'll perform it later because I can just move the notes around to get really weird chords instead of just the chords I'd normally gravitate to. And then I've I been, perform it. I've been doing the reverse lately. Really? Where I write the part on my bass and, and then, then I, maybe, yeah, that's another then I put one it I'll into a too. synth. Then yeah. I put it into a synth That's part. another one I'll do too. There's another thing too, like reason you can record audio and then move it into a MIDI file and it'll make MIDI based on yeah. like the, it won't do the keys or the notes but it'll give the like actual, you know, the the hits and then you can make the MIDI off of it or like it's really easy for if you're doing if you record a bass and then you want the drums to follow it, you have the notes that you can just put the kick. So it's a nice way to do it and then it's yeah. not on the grid cuz you performed it and uh yeah, David says he that plays his tracks rarely sequence. Yeah. So that's I might cool. sequence to do the design of the synths to build the sound mm -hmm. because sometimes you're inspired by the sound to create your harmonic structures. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, right. So Sometimes I hang them out really rough because I know that I'm going to re-record it, and the part will actually be different when it gets re-recorded. I yeah. might, you know, play the rhythm differently because of other bits I've written. So it's kind of just like a placeholder, really. Yeah, my only issue with that is like sometimes I really fall in love with that placeholder track and i'm like ah what do i like i can't replicate you just can't replicate it exactly you know that so you just keep it and it's like yeah. ah i mean it's it works you know so i try i try to record things at like the highest fidelity that i can it's some of the pressure off doesn't it if you think yeah. well this isn't the keeper i can just play it true and yeah. it actually comes out all right okay <laughs> yeah. and, i fooled me <laughs> and david also <laughs> says i do like to loop as it feels less rigid than sequencing yeah definitely you said that sorry he uh david in the chat Thanks, David. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some things you want to sound really metronomic and rigid, and especially if you're going to be using a lot of delay on it and something, yes. and the fact that it is metronomic, it doesn't change. Maybe you're using that as ostinato or pedal point for something else, mm -hmm. then it works to have it, you know, really regimented. Yeah, but, yeah, but I do get... You know, like, no, but, it's easier to I'm modulate sorry. it and change it when you're playing it, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a cool thing about performing the part like you were saying Jan, like you get the velocity changes and things like that but also uh as you also mentioned those differences in timing just make it sound so much more lush and human and i think the ear wants to gravitate to that human sound because like mm -hmm. i'll perform a melody you know i sequence it and uh and then i play it or if i'm playing a part and then like hydro fighter mentioned uh converting it into midi for later or if i need a doubled sound or something you can just it's like even if you nudge a little MIDI note, it's just not the same as when you play it. I mean, if you yeah. spend a lot of time meticulously nudging it and things like that, yeah, you might get it. But it's like you could just play it and have it. So yeah, I, I definitely think playing fun. has its exactly <laughs> playing has its purpose. And uh, yeah, sequencing is there. It's nice. Like with the circuit, it's fun to sequence something, and then you can do more human stuff on right. the instruments or on the SP or something like that. So, yeah. I think harmonic. I think harmonic ideas uh, come out of me better uh, over a over a keyboard. Yeah. Different play than trying to sequence against a piano roll. It's it's it just well, it's doesn't. Just dull, right? Yeah. Just, right. It, I mean, it, you got to do note by note by note. And, and you don't have that tactile feel. Like I just want to hit a note and be like, oh, I'll hit this note too. You know, rather than like yeah. moving a mouse and things mm -hmm. like that. It just I'm, it's so much easier yeah. to just transfer what's in my head to an instrument than like piano roll but Ian, now you're use, you're using sequencers in your in your uh rack in your yep. modular stuff right and how many sequencers do you have for that mm -hmm. 80 90 <laughs> 100 only <I need> three <laughs> 
But that's a total different style of sequencing. Five. <laughs> if you you five Ableton and um, and a beat step. There are three in the rack, and then there are two outside of it. There's an Ableton link that goes to it, so I can just plug in an oscillator and a and a an envelope and stuff and have and just play it from here. Mm -hmm. See, that's what I haven't dug into yet with the VCV rack is sequencers so much. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to use them for the random type of sequencing. Yeah, the crazy stuff. Yeah, but I'm just not to that that place yet. But and that's where I see sequencing being an, a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, and there's some crazy stuff you can do. Like the 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 Renee has like patterns it goes through the grid on, and you can just change the snake pattern and it goes around in a different pattern and plays the same notes in a different order, and you can disable certain position so it skips straight past them and it's very easy to get variations on something that you like just with a couple of presses and it's, gives you new ideas yeah and when you get an idea you come on and play something on top of it you know but yeah. the, one of the reasons i play is just because i want to get better at playing you know um yeah. mm -hmm. speaking as a drummer <laughs> it only takes, <laughs> the, takes to get it right so. yeah, yeah. I, might I cut it down to 40 maybe 38 you know do you play drums a lot on your stuff a bit a bit sometimes when i want if you if you want a certain groove i can't i know what it sounds like and i had a player i could never program it so yeah why not but um other times i want something that's artificially yeah you know tight staccato you know deliberately mm -hmm. artificial sometimes i mix the two together for the hell of it right. i what do if... like playing drums like performing them with a the keyboard or those little pads on like a, a circuit or something mm. then i just I quantize it and just see what happens yeah yeah what did phil collins say about um drum machines something like you can't get a drummer to play that repetitive pattern over and over like that, it's just too boring for a drummer where they have to move it. Yeah, I mean, you almost can. I've had some guys who who can just play, you know, really simple stuff metronomically, yeah. but it, it's just a rare gift in drummers. I've got to say, you know, easy, easy, the easy. old joke: How do you know when to put the door? The <laughs> knocking speeds up. Yeah. Yeah, I will say though, uh, sequencing or programming, maybe more to the point, like in the piano roll for ghost notes on drums, or even like if you're doing mm. bass a synth bass that's midi like it's yeah. fun to do those yeah. calm trues type like little things you just add a couple notes going spanning the octaves or something like that uh david yeah. says sequencing is modular works for sure and adding live drums is really fun and underrated yeah live drums mm -hmm. changes a song very like drastically even just taking samples of live drummers and putting it on like i have some sample yeah. packs from drummers yeah. And you just throw it in and, and mix like a program drum with the live drum or just do the live drum. But I love that mix of the synced drum with like a slightly off snare from a live drummer in the hi-hats. And you get that groove going, but there's that play between the, the quantized kick and the snare and things just moving around dynamically. It's, yeah. it's a great way to add some emotion and just like variation to it. We're doing some more of that with the SB404 because it's, it's a good way of just quickly getting a, a little bit of kit into yeah. us yeah like definitely hit record and bang 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 done yeah well gents but, i think that's yeah, it like, sorry oh go ahead no go ahead i was just saying that a lot of these tools all give you something slightly different mm -hmm. a slightly yeah. different perspective sometimes it helps shift your thinking but they've all got their place really haven't they yeah totally totally Anything else about it, uh, Hydro Fighter? We, we could we could go on for another hour talking about this stuff. And I could easily join us for hour two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I think that's it then. I appreciate Hydro Fighter. Thanks for stepping in for Curtis. Uh, yeah, if you like you the show, that. consider supporting us over on Patreon. We have additional content, a whole other podcast uh, where we talk. Right now, Starstream, our other podcast that's Patreon exclusive, is uh, Eon Lake myself and Curtis all trading stems and seeing what weird sort of songs we can create from these stems. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Eon Lake sent us these crazy modular experiments and 
Curtis and I have just been chopping up little segments and making songs out of it. I, of course, put Supermassive on it and made a nice little pad. Oh, and oh, look at that. An hour and 11 minutes in and we You're get Supermassive. the drinking game at home. Take a drink. Take a drink. Yeah. There's your first shot. But uh, hey, we'd appreciate you checking it out. Um, and the patrons, of course, can hop in the video. Uh, about halfway through every episode of ADSN, we let the patrons in if they can hop in. Uh, That's yeah. usually me. Hydro Fighter is yeah. always yeah, ready to come in. It's a great experience. So we can grill them properly. Yeah, but uh, that's it for today. Uh, <laughs> let us know sequencing, playing, what do you do if you're in the chat uh, afterwards? Why'd let us know it? in the comments. We just love to hear all the different ways people create music and things like that. And that's how we all learn. You know, we talk about what we do and then take the best bits of everything and put it together and then we grow. So uh, with that, thanks for watching and we'll see you next time.